0: say goodbye to am radio this is the focus group they're all business except when they're not it's the focus group with tim bennett and john nash hello everybody welcome to the focus group tim bennett as always here with my good friend and co-host mr john t nash we're in our 15th year 1515 (laughs) who knew
1: who Who knew indeed
0: Find out all about us and find all of our programming at focusgroupradio.com, including our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned, which is released on Tuesdays. You'll also find our sponsors there, uh, particularly Deep Discount. You'll see them in the right-hand margin. Click on the Deep Discount logo and start shopping away. How our show works is we uh, have a little bit of banter, then we do two articles that uh, caught our eye during the week, and then we have a Deep Discount uh, recommendation for you, a business birthday some shop talk toward the end and we have uh, as we march our way into June and pride season we have a segment called the road to pride and today John and I are going to introduce you to Sophie Good from the Trevor Project and all the great work that the Trevor Project is doing so each week uh, as we go into June we're going to highlight a different nonprofit that uh, some of you may know and some of you may not know so uh, it's a it's a uh, a segment called road to pride Mr. The, Nash, road that to Pri- the road to pride it's like the road to balahoo or something
1: I, don't you feel like it's a bob hope bing cross yeah. movie
0: <laughs> i guess who could play who one of us could be bob hope one could be well bing we bing bought green screens thinking we'd have some exotic background but that didn't go anywhere
1: we need to work on that because our we we had green halos tim is correct we did get these really nice green screens that are self-contained this thing slides up then we we're gonna have a, a kind of a uniform background behind us but It all depends on how you record it and it's software thing and blah, blah, blah. So I have to look into it more. But hey, I have a a weird one for you. I was at the window of the apartment looking out at the street and the kids playing in the schoolyard. And I noticed for the, I don't know how many times I've noticed this, a woman walking with, you know, those things that you use to pick up stuff off shelves that are too high, like a little cloth thing. I got one of those. Yeah, so she's walking with a paper bag, and she's picking up garbage. Like, and there's not a lot, but like a little piece of paper here, a little piece of paper there. And I see her do it in the mornings, and I just thought to myself, you know, thank you to the unsung heroes who pick up the neighborhood, look after things. I mean, no one's running up to her saying thanks. That's the thank Karen you. of the neighborhood, right? She's, no, she's no, the Karen. I don't think she's a... <laughs> no? I, she never scolds. I, no. I, what, from what I observed, she, she just picks up stuff picks along up the, the block. Yeah,
0: yeah, good for her. David Sedaris says he does that. He moved to England part-time in the U.K., and he goes around and collects garbage off the side side of the street. Really? Day. Yeah. He said it's therapeutic for him. I. That's the last thing I want to do is touch somebody's junk or garbage they've thrown out on the street. I well, mean, hence the claw, right? Yeah. So. Anyway, Mr. Nash, what caught your eye this week?
1: What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. Uh, what caught my eye this week is something that we're just seeing in the whole culture and i think that it's so so disappointing um especially when it, it directly affects youth and the headline of the article uh that i found was basically this um a trans teen in mississippi missed her graduation after school officials demanded she dressed like a boy for the ceremony So the Mississippi High School tried to force a trans girl to wear boys clothes for graduation. The ACLU filed a lawsuit against the Harrison County School District on the student's behalf. And in the end, the trans girl skipped her graduation after a district official told her parents she had to dress like a boy. I could go through the particulars of this, but didn't I just do it with three bullet points? And what are we really looking at here um, is what was the harm? in her choosing to go to her prom or her graduation dressed as the gender she feels she is who does that really harm i mean and and to have and can imagine the the trauma the child feels to have the aclu step in to have figures of authority that you're supposed to respect and look up to basically say nah, you, you better do this, the finger wags, right? I don't know. How do you feel about well, I, this? Well,
0: two things. One of them is, it doesn't everybody wear, or don't you wear a graduation gown anyway? You wear a gown, so, yeah. So how, other than maybe if uh, they required her to wear a tie. Um, but some women wear ties. So I, you know, I thought about this as you were talking, and I, I wondered, of course it was many years ago. But if we had we graduated high school together, if there was somebody who decided they wanted to come in a um outfit different than their gender or whatever, would I, I guess maybe we didn't
1: but do, what what do you think would have happened? For you and me, if we go all the way back to high school days. I don't know. I don't know, Tim. It's a great question because uh, back in the day, uh, our faculty was obsessed with us not pulling any pranks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, we, when we graduated. But here's the thing. This, 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 this girl wanted to sim- She was going to follow all the other dress codes. She was going to wear the robe, the, you know, the right. garment, the, um, the hat if there was one. But it says here, graduating boys in the school district are expected to wear white shirts and black pants. Um, graduating yeah. girls are expected to wear white dresses.
0: So that was the deal. There was a uniform.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, I don't know. I, I, I did. Did I miss where this was located? You did. Can you guess? Was it Texas or Mississippi? Florida? Well, there we go. <laughs> no, I don't mean
1: to cast dispersions on the fine state of Mississippi, but a lot of stuff like this comes out of there. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I and I did see something over the weekend where somebody said that, um, it was someone out of Kansas, I think. Kansas or Nebraska was a state senator that said that um, and she was a Democrat and she said, you know, don't forget about it. She says there's a lot of people in these red states that, that seem to be either forgotten or we've just written off. She said, a but there's a lot of, she said there's a lot of people here doing work to try to make things better or change things. We, ne- we need as much yeah. help or more than anyone in a blue state in terms to, of fighting some of these issues around women and and LGBTQ issues. I, I, I'm with you on this. I don't understand what the...
1: Who's harmed?
0: If you didn't do anything, it would have happened and no one would have known the difference
1: and it would have moved on, right? So you, you make a deal out of it and it becomes a much bigger issue than it really is. And it gets national attention. It says at the end of the article, it said, according to the lawsuit, the student had selected a white dress to wear to graduation and had worn dresses to school previously in classes and extracurricular events throughout the school year, including the prom. I, I just... I come down to this thing. It reminds me of gay marriage. Yeah. If how is my marriage affecting yours, or how you know? It's like how is this affecting? This just it's a level of insanity that we haven't seen in mm, two decades. (laughs) We've seen it before, though.
0: It reminds me a little bit of the story I I talked about with our friends, friends Pam and Nancy. Her daughter was going to a, a little private school in Philadelphia, and one of the little boys wanted to wear a sundress to school. Yeah, they were five, six years old. And his sister wore a sundress, and the little boy decided he wanted to wear a sundress. So the father was upset. And uh, they talked to the teacher whatever, and they said, you know what? Let him wear the sundress to school. The kids will make fun of him and tease him. He won't wear it again or get it out of his system. So the little boy puts on the sundress, goes to school. I said, what happened? She said, all the little girls are like, oh, it's so pretty. Oh, it's really. <laughs> right. Did the opposite. So, so it, it totally backfired. The little, boy, <laughs> so the little boy in the sundress backfired because the, the kids just thought it was wonderful. But they didn't know any different, right? And so yeah. that's the issue about it, is if you don't make an issue of it, it, um, it sometimes will just... Uh, go away by itself. Either yeah. go away, or it just is not an issue, right? Making yeah. it an issue with it is not an issue. Uh, mine couldn't be any more different, although uh, they, it is being exercised by a number of uh, people on the, right, on the right wing. The uh, headline is, Say Goodbye to AM Radio, Why Carmakers Are Removing It from New Models. Do you, listen, do you listen to any radio? In the car,
1: no, unless it's obviously serious because we subscribe. Right. Or, But the last time I did listen to the radio was 1010 Winds, which is an AM station yeah. here in the city with traffic and weather. For traffic. Yeah. yeah, and that was exactly why we tuned it in. But here's what's happening on the bridge. Here's what's happening in the tunnel.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing to find out what's going on with weather or with, uh, yeah. with traffic because it's reliable. But a number of automakers, BMW, Mazda, Volvo, Volkswagen, and Tesla, have removed or plan to remove AM radios. And they're all getting removed from at least their electric models. And Ford has gone, Ford Motor Company has gone a step further in removing them uh, out of gas and electric cars. So the issue uh, for removing the AM radio is they said that the electromagnetic interference is the reason for removing the radios from the electric vehicles. Mm. So the okay. electric motors will interfere with the AM radio and it makes it all staticky. So because it's too, you know what that does, it's electric, electric, right? So it makes a static, and that's why they were removing them. But um, so a majority of the stations um, were upset. There's 4,000 AM radio stations in the U.S. I had no idea there were that many. And uh, they predominantly broadcast news, talk shows, sports, and more. But only one in five people that do listen to radio uh, tune in to AM radio. So as this is going down, of course, the uh, the um, two lawmakers, uh, two unlikely couples, actually Ed Markey from Massachusetts, the Democrat, and Ted Cruz from Texas, have joined together in a bipartisan um, bipartisan mission, I guess, to introduce legislation that's going to require all manufacturers to put AM radios back in the cars because they said that exactly what you just made mention to. That for many people, for traffic, for weather, for the emergency alert systems, for, uh, you know, hurricanes, FEMA, all those critical um, public messages are often broadcast through AM stations. And it would be a huge disservice to take those away um, from the driving public. And so they're trying to request this legislation. They think it might go through, but um, they can't force them to do, these manufacturers to put the radio back in, but they're going to require them to let people know when they buy the car that it does not have an AM radio Mm. and make them aware of the fact that it doesn't have an AM radio. The car makers have come back to say, you know, so many people are using streaming services and other ways to get their information and get their news. Now that uh, AM radio is really not all that necessary because people have um, digital radio, satellite radio, as you mentioned, mobile apps, uh, can listen through their phone. So, um, and then, of course, not to be outdone, the conservatives all jumped on the bandwagon. So <laughs> this is a conspiracy because most of old talk radio, remember Rush Limbaugh and the whole crowd, Sean Hannity were all carried on AM channels. So they say that this is a way for the, the right wing or the, uh, the left, the lefties and the. And the muffle a, a, to smuffle to yeah. conservative. Right. To uh, muffle conservative talk. And uh, so. See what happens. I but I'm with you. I if I I was uh, driving the car the other day and there was a major accident and I immediately went to uh, AM radio to see what
1: routes were blocked.
0: (laughs) But you know the odd part is, so Sirius used to have
1: traffic and weather. They seem to have done away with it. I I, Tim, I found that they still have it listed in the channel guide. But when you click on it, it says this station is no longer like. I wonder why they got rid of it. I don't know. It was all mostly automated anyway, right?
0: Yeah, I couldn't figure it out because particularly New York was all its own thing, right? So mm-hmm. it was 24 hours. I thought, is somebody sitting in one of those tiny little booths? There was like the size of an old phone booth, reading the same thing over and over again every four minutes.
1: No, it it, it would repeat. They would record and repeat. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So that was the uh, that was uh,
1: we'll AM radio. Suite. The demise of AM radio. The
0: demise of AM radio. Hey, as many of you know, uh, Deep Discounts, a partner of ours here on the focus group. Be sure to find them at focusgroupradio.com and click on the deep discount logo. They've been supporting us and we like when uh, you folks support them by shopping from them. Right now they've got a one word sale going on. So one word movie titles and one word band titles. You know Scott or John, I was thinking if we were a show with one word, what would we call ourselves? Oh god. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't even come up with one. I thought I'm it's not, pretty not clever. on the spot, but no. It's a great idea, isn't it? One word show, right? Yeah. So anyway, so what did you uh Did did you pick a band or did you pick a movie?
1: I went with movie and I went with the title that I haven't seen in a long, long time. And I loved it when I was younger. It's a movie called Dreamscape. Oh gosh. And it stars, um, Dennis Quaid as Alex Gardner, a man with ESP who can actually kind of enter people's minds while they sleep. And he's recruited by the (laughs) government to help, um, them figure out someone who's doing the same thing, his same ability, but they're doing it to um, kind of attack the president, which I think is played by yeah, Eddie Albert. Christopher Plummer's in it. He plays a he always plays great meanies. Max Fonsito's in there. Um so this movie when it came out, I loved it. I just adore I thought it was a lot of fun. And at the end, this bad guy with the SP and Dennis Quaid with the is a good guy. They have this battle in Eddie Albert's mind on a railroad car. One of them turns into a big cobra. Anyway, it was it's, it's well, in my opinion, it's well worth the pri- purchase price on Blu-ray, which means it's going to look great, of 1705 So if you are a Dreamscape fan or you haven't seen it in a while, pick it up.
0: <laughs> what would you pick? I picked, um, so there were a number, you know I love music, so there were, I went and picked a music one-word uh, one band. And I initially had Heart as my pick because I think uh, Ann and Nancy Wilson are just great rock and rollers. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And then, then I looked and I saw Erasure. Had because I was trying to see what are the one word bands. That's why I thought we should come up with something. But I found um, the Eurythmics. So it's Eurythmics Ultimate Collection. And why I chose them over all the others is when I looked at what is actually on this on ultimate, the disc, the track list, the Ultimate Collection. Um, there are two new songs that I'm not familiar with, but um, because they're brand new. But um, there's not a song in here that a I wouldn't know or b I wouldn't not listen to. And on some of those other compilations, there were songs that I'd be like, well, oh, yeah, I'd skip forward. But the title, the tracks that are on, there's 19 tracks in this Ultimate Collection and uh, everything you'd expect and, uh, and want from them. And just uh, they're one of the few bands I think you could put on an album, one of their albums, and listen to the whole thing because it takes you on a, takes you on a journey. And, um, so I picked the Ultimate Collection from the Rhythmics. So
1: site. if you are someone who's a huge Rhythmics fan and you might not have all their albums digitized right. or available in your iTunes library, would this be the one to get that would have your favorites?
0: This would be the one to get. It's, uh, it's under $12. And... Um yeah it's uh i mean love is a stranger sweet dreams who's that girl right by your her side here comes the rain again what i lie to you there must be an angel sisters i mean goes on and on and
1: on yeah you 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 nailed some of my absolute favorites and and if it covers their discography then yeah. this would be and for 1152 tim it's yeah. like a steal now my car still has a cd player in it do, do you so, really um,
0: yeah and so there are cds that uh that I have found that uh, were either rare cuts or that were demos and stuff. And so um, there is a use for, uh, CDs, for doing that. Yeah. And I did notice on deep discount in general, there are things that are foreign that you can get. For instance, the B-52s didn't fall under the one word, mm-hmm. but uh, there are discs and things that you can get that weren't available in the US that you can pick up at deep discount, So I
1: picked up some Simple Minds Japanese pressings yep. that sounded better than the American ones. Yep. We do have a new release this week, and that is Creed Three. The movie did really well at the box office, actually, and I would like to see it. It stars Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors. After dominating the boxing world, Adonis Creed, Michael B. Jordan, has been thriving in both his career and family life when a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, Damian Jonathan Majors, resurfaces after serving a long sentence in prison. He is eager to prove that he deserves his shot in the ring. The face-off between former friends is more than just a fight to settle the score adonis put his future on the line to battle damien a fighter who has nothing to lose but you heard uh, the reviews are great right. unfortunately some stuff went on with jonathan majors afterwards but um this is a movie that i would like to see it's available on 4k ultra hd and remember 4k is like even better than blu-ray <laughs> it's 29.99 So uh, to recap, it's the one word movie or music sale, and it's a really fun sale to check out. So go to focusgroupradio.com, click on the deep discount logo and start your shopping experience and find the one word sale movie or music. And you'll have a ball because you will realize how many things, you know, there are just one word. I picked a movie called dreamscape uh dennis quaid uh max von Sydow, christopher Plummer, and eddie albert classic movie from i think it was 1970 something 84 1984. and uh the next one tim picked for music the the ultimate eurythmics because Ultim- if it's the eurythmics it would be two yeah. but eurythmics ultimate collection has all the songs you want and the release this week is creed three so again thank you deep discount Remember to click on the logo at focusgroupradio.com and start your shopping experience. And there we go. So we have a segment that we're gonna be uh, putting right here and it's uh, we're gonna be talking to Sophie Goud from The Trevor Project. And uh, without further ado, here we go. As we head into Pride season, Tim and I here on The Focus Group would like to introduce you to a segment called The Road to Pride. Each week, we're going to introduce you to some organizations you probably already know and some that you should know. Buckle up, stay tuned, and it's time for The Road to Pride. Joining us now from The Trevor Project is Senior Corporate Partnerships Manager, Sophie Goud. Welcome, Sophie. Um, A lot of our listeners know uh, about The Trevor Project, and they certainly know the name, and it's an organization that's been doing an amazing job for several years. But as we like to say here, since we're marketing advertising guys, Give us the elevator pitch, the 2023 elevator pitch for the Trevor Project.
2: For sure, John. I always love to share what we do. So happy to do so. Um, Many folks may know about the Trevor Project. We are the... Uh, leading suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization, providing targeted services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning young people. In 2023, what that means is that we're thinking holistically. We're making sure that young people have the support they need when they need it, wherever, whenever, through our 24-7 free confidential crisis services. We're also thinking about how we can shape a more welcoming and inclusive world for LGBTQ youth through research, education education advocacy and of course creating those super important networks of peer support. So we really see ourselves as, you know, pushing towards a brighter future for LGBTQ youth.
0: So so hi Sophie. How has um, you know, we just had come through the pandemic and now we have what seems to be this barrage of anti-LGBTQ legislation that's happening. Has that changed um, your guys direction or mission at all or how are you handling the changes that we've had in the last few years?
2: a great question, Tim. It is a hard time for everyone and especially for LGBTQ youth. And so our our mission remains unchanged, but the tactics that we're taking to achieve it have certainly shifted in response to current events. You know, we do an annual national survey of LGBTQ youth mental health to just understand really what are the challenges that young people are facing and how can we as the Trevor Project, as well as, you know, in partnership with all of the amazing corporate partners and nonprofits that we work with, how can we all work together towards the things that we know make the biggest impact for LGBTQ young people? So this year, what it's meant for us is really thinking about how do we create a more positive public narrative, right? It's There's really a lot of vitriol coming towards LGBTQ young people, and, and we at the Trevor Project certainly feel it as well. And so we want to make sure that we are putting the acceptance, the support, the positive narrative that we're uplifting LGBTQ young people's voices. And so we've started working on a new content strategy that's really aimed towards providing a platform for LGBTQ youth and and bringing that counter narrative of we're here, we see you, we love you for exactly who you are. Um, So that's one way that we've shifted. We also, of course, do direct advocacy work to advocate for policies that protect LGBTQ youth, um, their rights, support their mental health and fight against bills that are dangerous for them. We use our research a lot in that work. And then of course, we wanna make sure that LGBTQ young people know that we're here to support them and that we have the capacity to support them. So really focusing on our crisis services and making sure young people know we're available to them whenever they need us.
1: You know, Sophie, picking up on, uh, I I just think you, you framed it so beautifully about the vitriol You know, it's a word that I just think perfectly sums up the emotional barrage that's coming out. And the part that struck me when you were talking about that is as an adult, as an adult gay male, I feel battered and I'm an adult, which means I should be able to process a lot of this differently than if I were younger. So, um... I guess that I as you guys plan and as you guys create stories, as you guys try to to get the message out there that there is hope, that there are people available to help if someone feels like they're in crisis. Um is it fair to say that you're you're looking at the future optimistically?
2: It is. Um and I know that might be surprising, but we are optimistic about the future. You know, so the past couple of years there's been a lot more visibility and representation around LGBTQ identity, more visibility has also invited more criticism and we are seeing a lot of that aimed at young people. But ultimately, the LGBTQ community has always been resilient. LGBTQ young people know themselves best. Trevor really sees our job as elevating those stories, elevating the success, the wins that the community is having, helping young people see that there is a bright future ahead. And we know that there is a bright future ahead. We know that there is so much incredible work being done, not just at Trevor, but by this movement that we are a part of, that consists of so many folks across different nonprofits, across you know different advocates at the government level, but also just people, people who are working in their communities to create a more accepting world. So we see a lot of hope, um, and we know that we have an important and specific role to play in elevating that hope and making sure that young people see it too.
0: Sophie, I know you, I know you mentioned when we had talked another time about allyship, and then also. Um... Kind of the uh, the professional football player Carl Nasib, I don't know if I pronounce his, his last name correctly, but that was actually a a, a really um, pivotal moment for you folks in terms of fundraising and the, and awareness, particularly with sports, high school sports, college sports, professional sports, which have um, somewhat been ignored in terms of where bullying may happen or where kids uh, LGBT kid uh, Q kids may feel not welcome. Have you guys? Uh, appreciated that or is it something you're working on for the future
2: absolutely it's i think one of the most important things for us is to think about how we can reach lgbtq young people across the country who have different interests who have different you know hang out in different spaces have different forms of community and so Partnerships are a huge part of that. We know that there are lots of young people who are aware of the Trevor Project already and lots of people who have never heard of us. And so partners like Carl help us reach new audiences of lgbtq youth with that message of support and acceptance but also with the knowledge that trevor is here for them with our crisis services with our other resources that we're here for their families their allies to help them learn how they can best support the lgbtq young folks in their lives and so i think for us we see a really critical role for folks like carl Nassib, for celebrities for brands like png to play in spreading that message and reaching LGBTQ young folks who may not know about Trevor with a really important message.
1: Now this this question, uh, this is not a gotcha, and, and, but it may be out of your <laughs> purview. And I'm wondering, um, do you guys keep statistics on the call volumes from different by state or is it just a nationwide thing? And, and if it is by state, are some of the most negative blowback we're hearing from some of these, let's just say the red states, for example, do you actually see an empirical uptick in, in calls?
2: Yes, is the answer. So we do keep data <laughs> short by answers, state. yes. Uh, the short answer is yes. We do keep data by state, and we do see spikes in states where there are, is legislation or conversation moving forward about limiting LGBTQ young people's rights. So um, we actually just released earlier this month, um, our 2023 national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health. And one of the things that we asked folks about was how, you know, state or local legislation banning folks from talking about LGBTQ identity at school impacted their mental health. Nearly two in three young people told us that hearing about this made their mental health a lot worse. So we see that, you know, in in our data in our research data which has nothing to do with our crisis services it's completely separate we also see it in our crisis services in terms of these kind of surges in volume when things like don't say gay or um you know when those kinds of bills are being discussed in a big way we certainly see an uptick in young people reaching out to us because it does impact them it impacts them so directly so acutely and we know that it has a really big impact on how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their own identities, whether they feel safe, whether they feel safe at school, safe in their home, safe going to the doctor. Those things have a huge impact on mental health.
0: Well, Sophie, thanks for joining us uh, here on The Focus Group. We we appreciate it, and we appreciate all the work that uh, that you do at Trevor. We're, uh, we've been speaking with Sophie Good, Senior Corporate Partnerships Manager at The Trevor Project. You can learn more about The Trevor Project at thetrevorproject.org. Also, on June 15th, be sure to tune in to Can't Cancel Pride. Can't Cancel Pride is iHeartMedia and P&G's Pride Charity Showcase. It's featuring the most influential voices and the biggest names in the LGBTQ community and culture and entertainment. The event has already raised millions of dollars uh, that benefit organizations like The Trevor Project, and you're able to donate there as well um, during the broadcast p is a valued client of ours. We encourage you to learn more about Can't Cancel Pride at can'tcancelpride.com. As always, you can learn more about John and us and all of our programming at focusgroupradio.com. Everyone, please stay safe and healthy on the road to pride.
1: You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now back to the focus group
0: with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. Welcome back, everybody, and uh, welcome to the focus group. If you're just joining us midway, which uh, if you did that, then you missed our upfront and are also our uh, road to pride segment with the Trevor Project. So you can always rewind or find everything at focusgroupradio.com. Follow along with us there. And uh, you know, John, I was looking at where some of our, our our traffic is coming from again. You know, I try to find out where. Countries uh-huh. are, well, countries are listening to us. So we have a, a country that's bubbled up to the top, or bubbled up to the top five. Of which countries just, other than the U.S.? So U.S., Canada, U.K., right? Mm-hmm. And then there's, the, then the, it, you know, four and five, switch, switch, switch. But this year, number, number five is a solid number five. You want to take a guess? They don't speak English. You know, I want well, not to as say... a, not as a Not as a language.
1: I want to say that, didn't we have something in Saudi Arabia or the Arab Emirates? Or... We did have that. Well, for one time, we, you know, when the, I thought we might have gone on Russia's uh, do not travel list. I, yeah. Because uh, we, <laughs> Russia,
0: when the war started in Ukraine, we were number one out of Russia. But uh, no, South Korea. And uh, so I'm wondering where the traffic's coming out of South Korea, where we're getting so South much Korea, traffic do, out of South Korea. A
1: couple employees at the U.S. Embassy. <laughs>
0: that or maybe the demilitarized mil- zone or
1: <laughs> who knows may- right maybe kim jong un heard about us and he's tapping in <laughs> no that would be north but he want to get to the no, south no he's, yeah. he's got to tap in there to get it no internet in
0: north <laughs> so anyway so we have our uh, business birthday today mr nash everyone does celebrity birthday greetings but the focus group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays Born today, May 24th in 1879, was Harry
1: Burnett Reese. Now, before you go further, when I saw this come in, my teeth almost fell out. I thought that this was an invented name, an invented product. It turns out to be a real person, so go ahead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, of course, uh, from the famed Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. So, uh, Harry Burnett Reese, or Harry Reese, or H.B. Reese, Uh, Again, born May 24th, 1879, died at 76 years old, uh, just short of his 77th birthday in 1956. An American inventor and businessman known for creating the number one selling candy brand in the United States, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And um, interestingly, he was an only child, but he got married and had 16 kids. 16? Can you imagine? He was raised on a farm in York, PA. God, in
1: Pennsylvania. That's, that's more than that famous cheaper by the dozen. Wow. Right.
0: Unbelievable. I said 16 kids. And he had to have three or four jobs. I thought if you kept it in your pants, you'd only have to have maybe one or two jobs. But did 16 <laughs> kids? Uh, yeah. So he was hired to work uh, for Milton Hershey's dairy farm in 1916.
1: They had their own dairy. That's right.
0: So Hershey Farms, were, they were going to make, um, they were going to go to automatic milking machines for the cows. And his job was to try to run the barn that was going to do that. And it ended up being too much money. So he ends up leaving the area and goes to try to go out on his own. And he started to, to make his own candies in his basement in his house. And he made some after-dinner mints, and he concocted a few candy bars. He would take Reese's, um, what he called them, Reese's Raisin Clusters. So he would take raisins and clusters with chocolate, or he would do chocolate-covered dates, which were his best-selling candy at the time. And then eventually falls into the peanut butter cup because someone he was working with Um, had put the two flavors together, but they couldn't figure out how to properly coat the peanut butter. Mm. And so he had made an injection machine that could do that. But um, so he was working. So he went back and worked at Hershey and uh, worked on the chocolate line. The other thing um, that I thought was interesting, they, they talked about how Americans and Canadians particularly like Hershey's chocolate. And, you know, I've heard that about European chocolate versus American chocolate. And they went through a pretty long explanation. Um, I won't know all the scientific names, but essentially, in order for things to stay fresh or to move uh, and be transportable, Hershey would freeze-dry the cocoa or the, the milk and the chocolate to, you know, together, freeze-dry it, and take the water out. And it gave the chocolate a kind of a tangy taste, which they say Canadians and Americans much more prefer than the bitter chocolate that you would find in Europe. So that was just a, just a side note. Because I always wondered about that, why they talked about different chocolates. So um, as he was working for Hershey, he was making these Reese's peanut butter cups in his um, little small factory he had in his basement. And demand got so much that uh, he stopped making the after-dinner mints and the clusters and everything and just concentrated on these um, Reese's peanut butter cups. And Hershey found out about it. And he didn't (laughs) didn't care because he felt that um, Reese made his own peanut butter. But all the chocolate that he would use was bought wholesale from Hershey. So, and they even said that Hershey, Milton Hershey, kept a stash of the Reese's peanut butter cups in his desk. He liked them so much. And um, so they said that because Reese was buying his chocolate from Hershey, they did not view him as a competitor because they thought he was buying from us and, you know, we're selling that much more chocolate because his, his peanut butter cups are so popular. He was also an accomplished French horn player. He performed in some local bands. He uh, died of a heart attack, uh, as I said, days short of his 77th birthday. But seven years before his death, um, when the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups were selling at about the equivalent of $243 million worth a year. Wow. He and his sons decided to merge um, with Hershey. And, and rather than uh, getting money, they were given stock. And so the stock amounted to about 5% of the Hershey company. It was like 6 wow. 66,000 shares, or something. They get 666,316 shares.
1: What year did they get the stock in? So they got this
0: in 1963. Oh boy. Okay. They got the stock. Since so in 19, so up until 1923, the stock had split um, many, many times after 60 years. And so their original shares, which represented, um, the 660000 now represents 16 million shares. Oh, my God. And it's valued <laughs> at about $4.4 4 and the family still holds it. So um, they've got wow. four points. So the, the little peanut butter cups made up $4.4 4 billion. And they get annual dividends each year to the family divided up by the, the, um, the uh, relatives, I guess, like Yellow Bean does. They get $66.3 million a year in dividend from Hershey based upon wow. the, the value. So you, un- unbelievable. Um, and so, the, so I looked up some more. So the peanut butter cups were number one up until 2012. They're now the number four selling candy in the world and third best selling in the US. You want to take a guess at what the number? This is like a Tim's list. What the number one candy bar is and, or candy brand is in the US uh, and what number two is ahead of candy uh, brand? They call it candy brand, but they're chocolate. They're chocolate bars.
1: So it's just a plain Hershey's bar. Hershey bars number one. Yeah,
0: guess number two. Um, Snickers bar. One of your, your favorites got a little wafer in it. Oh oh oh! Um, Kit Kat. Kit Kat, yeah. Kit Kat's number two, <laughs> and uh, but but the Reese's peanut butter cup still brings in uh, globally about 240 point. Uh, 2. Four two, Let me get the number right. Two point six billion dollars a year, and peanut butter cups of what we sell. Wow, a lot of peanut butter cups. So happy birthday, Mister uh, Mister Reese. Happy I'd like birthday, and Have a piece indeed. of
1: that, I'm... wouldn't you? Uh, hello, I'd like some of the stock. Yeah,
0: <laughs> unbelievable to me. So yeah, so that was the uh, so that was our business birthday this week, Mister Reese. I'm surprised we haven't had him before.
1: I'm, I'm glad you did them. I think it's fantastic. I never knew there was a, a, an actual person attached to the peanut butter cup who invented it, who gave it, who sold it yeah. to them, the whole bit.
0: So on our, uh, our shop talk today, we have an uh, article John had found. I believe it was from CNBC. And there was uh, this came from a study from Harvard, right? And it says mm-hmm. uh, a Harvard happiness expert says these two common pieces of job advice are both terrible. And so he was given a graduation, uh, giving a speech at the Catholic University for graduation. He delivered the keynote speech at graduation this past month. And um, he told the graduates that two common but terrible pieces of advice, um, he warned them, were, um, were not good. Number one being, go find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And the other piece of advice was, go save the world. And, um, I was surprised by these two things Were you or not,
1: not at all. No, no. No. I think that this idea of go find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I, I think that we've all met people who, um, view their work as complete pleasure. Don't even view it as work, but they're few and far between. I, and that's not to say that people hate what they do, whatever, but you know, when you're 16, 17 or 18, when someone says, what are you going to do with your life? Like, you know it's a it's kind of a fraught question like maybe you like science maybe you like literature maybe you want architecture i don't know it's but i think telling a graduate to go do that is difficult and that goes back to last week's shop talker um maybe that was on bun. we were talking about outsized expectations of salaries right. the whole bit so he he scoffs at that yeah he did he did have a a take on this though and he says you know you could you can do yourself a lot of favors in terms of finding happiness at work by looking into a couple things. And the first one was earned success. The first key to work happiness, according to Brooks, is what he calls earned success, producing something valuable in your own life and in the lives of others. For him, happiness at work is not determined by your job title or perks, but rather the investment you put into your day. Don't cut corners. So what do you think of that one?
2: Yeah, I...
0: You know, I thought of this because I, I, you know, this time of year you hear about all the graduation speeches and everyone wants to, um, nobody can remember who their graduation speaker was. Nobody cares, right? So so I I wondered about this as to whether this was either smart advice or is this something that, you know, I would have listened to because, you know, I'll I'll take a little side turn here. But, you know, when you were sitting at graduation, did you think, oh, I'm going to own three ad agencies sometime? You probably had no idea what you were going to do, right?
2: No, so, so would correct. you have
0: would you have understood somebody talking to you like this? And I think <laughs> you and I understand it now. Yes, but I'm we not did. sure yeah. that an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old would would understand it. And I wondered about this this the earned success to me. Um, I thought was about working hard. But when he said you don't cut corners, and um, you know he did he did say that this working harder is also an issue for fast track burnout. Mm-hmm. And I I do agree with that. So I guess I agree with I agree with parts of it. I just don't know if I would have understood it at that age.
1: At that age, no.
0: Yeah. And what was the second thing he said? His second
1: thing that he thinks people should really be focused on is, as opposed to um, find the job that you love and you'll never think it's work or saving the world is service to others. Right. Experts agree that positive relationships at work are a necessary ingredient for job satisfaction. Brooks' second thing, service to others, to finding joy at work is in the line with that of finding, you know, joy in life. Do your job in a way that serves others, not just yourself. Um, he told graduates that for ultimate happiness, it does not matter if their job is fun all the time or whether it's single. It single-handedly fixes the world. Instead, deeper satisfaction comes from work that can make a difference in the lives of some. And serving others comes from how you do your job, not what your job is. He believes that you can serve others whether you work in a bank put roots on a house, put roofs on a house or raise children. Let's be honest. There are very few institutions and in parts of our lives where people really care. Service to others, I think is not a bad idea at all. Um, I, I, at first I didn't think that it was that answer that he gave, that it was about, right. I think you could almost say it was bringing your authentic self to work, treating people with decency, you know, right. treating the customer like, like, like you want to, would want to be treated yourself, that that is in itself fulfilling, right?
0: No, I agreed. And, you know, if you were, and this is putting you on the spot, because I'm not so sure I can answer it, but if you were asked to do a, a, um, a keynote or a graduation speech, do you, would you have a particular theme or something that you were just off the top of your head, you say, oh, I would talk about this?
1: Time. We talk about time.
0: You would talk about time.
1: I would talk about an article that I read yeah. in The Atlantic about three months ago, where the author basically broke down how many minutes of our life we spend working versus everything else we do. And it turns out that work and career are not as huge a factor of our waking hours as you might suspect. And it gives you an insight into where your energy should be going. So I think it hooks into this too. So if you're not thrilled about your job, a lot of us aren't, but you're making the money focus on things in your life that do give you happiness. It could be your kids, your family, your partner. It could be extracurricular stuff. It could be your hobby cycling, whatever it may be. Yeah. I would, you know, Think of a most precious commodity we have, right? It's time. We can't ever get it back, and we give it a lot, a lot of it away.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that, No, that's a good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that you had something that quick. I, I don't think I could have. I couldn't <laughs> no, have. What would you out, do? I don't know. I don't know because I thought about that. I thought, gosh, as I was reading that art, this article, and you know, these two words of advice that he thought were terrible because everybody wants to. Let me give you great advice. Let me tell yeah. you things you need to know. And so I thought he took a took a left turn when he said, "Let me tell you two. Pieces of advice you probably got that are terrible, and uh, and I started thinking. I thought, gosh, if I had to, you know, impose any wisdom on somebody, mine's more homespun, I guess. You know, I
1: don't. Know. I, I I imagine you giving a speech about decency. In all honesty, I I think you would. You might not use that word, but I think you could. You I, I would not. It would not be unexpected if you talked about proper behavior. Or just treating other people with, you know, dignity or respect or just being decent to someone else, right?
0: Yeah, I think decency is a good
1: one. Another one
0: I, I probably, although I don't know how I would weave it, but it might be the importance of showing up oh. and, and what showing up really means. What it and, means, yeah. And there's three or four examples in my life where um, I'm not sure I would even have the nerve to do it now, but I showed up. And, uh, and so I'm thinking, well, you know, that might be something to... To challenge people to do so you know i don't know that that might be kind of where i would go not that anyone's asking me to speak at any graduation <laughs> so.
1: well i think it's a good shop talk and i'm glad you asked the question of what i would speak about um and and what you would speak about because i think that's a fascinating thing and i i do read a lot of these the transcripts a lot of these end of you know commencement speeches some of them right. have been very well done steve jobs gave a great famous one years ago
0: anyway you know there's a really good one if you want to watch one on youtube um by conan o'brien at dartmouth he really gave, yeah he gave it um it's like 20 some minutes long he gave it in the early 2000s i think the first 10 minutes is a riff on kind of not how bad but how quirky dartmouth is and the the audience is laughing laughing because he he really the you know he the, the, he's you just have to watch it to see because he's, he's standing in front of a log. I mean, that's what their podium is. It's a log. You know, he's like, well, because I feel like I'm on the set of Survivor Nova Scotia. <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, or oh, this is something a bear would use in an AA meeting, you know? <laughs> and the crowd's going wild and then he does a riff on some of the other IVs. And, but then he gets into the heart of it to say that, um, you know, he was a failure. And he said, and you know what? Failing's good and you talked about yeah, billing. Is good. You said, "You know, I tried to do. You know, he talked about the late night shows and the things." And so, I thought it was very good. It's entertaining, and I think that's what they should be. And you make people laugh and smile, and that's all you can really get out. And of we things.
1: remember those things more than some of the serious yep. stuff, right? Yep. The you're going to remember. Are, right, you're going to remember somebody who entertained you, right? Yeah, and it's woven sure. in and it's cleverly yep. done. yeah All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks for joining us here on The Focus Group. We want to thank our friends at Deep Discount. Go to focusgroupradio.com, click on the Deep Discount logo, and start your shopping extravaganza. It's one-word sale. That could be a movie title or an album title. I picked a movie called Dreamscape. Tim picked Eurythmics, a complete compilation. And in his expert opinion, it truly is a compilation that's worth having because it has all the best. All the stuff you want. And the new release this week is Creed 3. We want to remind everybody to please don't text and drive, arrive alive, especially with the upcoming holiday weekend. Have a good one on that note, and we'll see you in the new week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms.
0: Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.